Welcome to episode two of the Hume podcast series. We hope you enjoyed episode one. If you've not heard it yet, it's still available on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. In episode two, we focus on modern education. This really came to the fore during the two national lockdowns, when the majority of our children were completing their studies from home. Thankfully, our expertise and experience as a Google reference school enabled us to provide an excellent homeschooling experience for our students. Today, we talk about how we used technology to provide a first-class education during the national lockdowns. With Mark Jones, who is now our assistant principal academic, but at the start of all of this was our director of e-learning, and Deborah Howarth, who's taught at the school for the past 21 years and is our head of food and nutrition. Hello, Deborah and Mark, and thank you for joining us today. Hi, everyone. Hello. John mentioned in the intro that the school is a, a Google reference school. Can you tell us a little bit about what that means? A Google reference school is a designation from Google itself for recognising uh, that our outstanding use of technology to drive positive learning outcomes for our students. So it means that we get to be part of this Google ecosystem where we have conversations with schools all around the world. Like literally, a, a few weeks ago, I was talking to a school in, in Portugal, and we get to discuss how learning is going on over there. We've got a, a school coming in um, later this week to discuss how we implement our technology. We'll do walkthroughs with them, talk how we set everything up. Um, it really means we're on the roadmap as well. We get to find out about features um, slightly earlier so we can preempt that and get our staff trained up uh, to utilise the new features coming out. So, Mark, the platform that we use for our remote learning is something called Google Workspace for Education. Just summarise for a, for a non-techie audience what that allows us as teachers and our students to do. Yeah, so it's gone through several different um, naming conventions. So it started as um, G Suite for Education. Uh, it's currently called Google Workspace for Education. And what does that mean? It, it gives us the ability to to seamlessly teach in school, out of school. It gives us email, uh, infinite um, storage for files. It allows us to do Google Meets and video conferencing. It's got Google Classroom, which is our essentially our mission control where we can set work, we can give feedback to students, uh, give extended um, challenge opportunities. We get Google Sites so we can, the students, the teachers can make our own websites. Um, we've got slides for presentation, docs for collaboration. So Google Workspace really is what's um, made this transition through into remote learning and for the future years into this blended learning, really seamless, uh, allowing us to utilise all the latest technology along with our historical uh, good pedagogy within within the lessons. Thank you, Mark. Back in March 2020, at the start of the first national lockdown, and I've quoted you quite often on this, you said that we'd been preparing for this for the last five years. What did you mean by that? So as a school, we went one-to-one with our Chromebooks from year 7 to 11 in September 2015. So that was one-to-one. So even before that time, we'd been experimenting with class sets of these Chromebooks. So that's given us five years plus, um, so now we're heading over towards six years, of, of one-to-one devices with our, our teachers getting used to delivering in this way, our students getting used to the technology. So it, although there was a, a few extra um, activities we do, so Google Meet has uh, evolved rapidly over this lockdown, but we, we've been teaching in this way using Google Classroom, evolving parents with um, guardian summaries of, of homeworks and keeping them in, in the loop and in how far we are through the curriculum. 
So we've been doing that for at least five years, and we've been using BYOD in the sick form, and we've been a Google reference school since June 2016. So lockdown learning was a, it was a massive change for everybody, not just uh, teachers, but pupils and parents as well. Um, and, you know, we were happy to see that there was feedback from parents and pupils alike about some of our remote provision. In fact, our remote provision um, in its entirety, really positive feedback. What do you know that the students particularly enjoyed about it, apart from being able to join lessons in their pyjamas, of course? Yeah, well, it's really interesting. Yeah, they, they did love uh, the, the short commute to school, <laughs> definitely. So throughout everything that we do, we use these uh, feedback cycles. Um, so we survey the students using Google Forms, uh, which they're super used to doing, but it's really good for us to get this kind of feedback. So I kind of looked through these hundreds of uh, responses and really the, the, the main things that came out of this were that they loved the control of their own work, like taking breaks when they wanted, going through the work at their own pace. They loved our explainer videos from, from the Hume teachers and our teachers were generating upwards to a thousand videos a month by using this platform. Sounds really exciting. I'm starting to feel slightly jealous that I didn't get to do a bit of remote learning when I was a student. It sounds slightly boring now, just having to come into the classroom. <laughs> I'm not sure we had the technology back in our day with a BBC computer clear. One computer yes. for the whole school, it would have been easy. <laughs> so let's get down into the nitty gritty, Mark. <clears throat> do you have any quite specific examples of particular lessons where it's worked really well? Yeah, so I was interested on this one. So individual lessons, I mean, there's, there's our Facebook um, feed is full of excellent examples throughout this. And we're, we're going to talk to uh, Mrs. Howarth later about how she's been using it in, in food. But there's so many different examples. I think I'll, I'll share, share some of these and I would encourage everyone to go onto that Facebook feed and look at the, we've got videos and photos of the amazing music uh, that was done during that. And, and this is right down from nursery and infants doing their... Dear, so drop everything and read events. Um, the juniors doing STEM events and, and using creativity to to present this and record and, and then upload that. So there's there's all these sort of other soft skills other than just the um, curriculum content there, but they're being creative with stuff around their home. So those are great things um, lower down the school. I mean, it, there's so many, literally hundreds of these things because you know what I'm saying. There's, there's thousands of these lessons going on, and they're all so so high quality. You know, in English, they've got analysing song lyrics and, and students themselves using Screencastify to talk over this, pick parts out and then show the, the literary techniques involved in, in these things. Yeah, there's so many from music where they've even done orchestral things together or individual things. Um, we've got stuff like the Race for Ghana, which brought us all together and, and encouraged physical activity in amongst this. We've got the fantastics of Mr. Leng becoming different royal um, characters through history, <laughs> King Charles, King John. It, it was just fantastic to see. We've got stop motion ideas from PE, where they're doing GCSE modelling of different um, physical activities. There honestly are there's so many, but I think really the things that came through from this is the engagement, the creativity on on the side of the teachers and the students, and really just the fact that the technology really gave us the ability to to extend and, and really more, maybe even in some cases, per, personalise this further. So, for example, in some of my lessons, we'd be doing stop motion where the students could then record their own voice and things to, to explain what they're doing, whereas in a, in a class with 20 in the same room, that those kind of activities would, would be more difficult. 
And I think it was really interesting. You know, we, we're not just about single one-off big wow lessons. It, it's about a, a continual progression of these well-sequenced lessons, building on this and using the, the techniques of uh, Google Forms for quick retrieval practice, building that long-term memory um, and developing the skills over time. And then, as we said, like modelling the, the teacher's thought processes to get our, our metacognitive skills and, and basically teaching the students how to, to, yeah, definitely to have that base of knowledge, but also then be able to apply it in novel situations. So, so how do you do that? Well, you need a base of of skills and then you need to to have an ability to interpret what this new situation is how would I use this how do I think about that and, and this is the kind of thing we're, we're really pushing really hard here about our metacognitive skills essentially what do you do when you don't know what to do so what do I know go back to that what strategies can I apply here and it's these kind of abilities I think that, that have really the technologies kind of let us think about this. And I think going further than this, really, what, what has this lockdown taught us all? That the, unit, that the world can change so quickly and that our students need to adapt to this. So it's fant- how better could this be modelled than, than staff learning? And I think it's what modern education is all about. It's about continuous learning, continual learning, lifelong learning. The teachers are demonstrating this day in, day out, with their, and we're going to talk to them about this shortly, but... It's fantastic, the learning curve we've all been on, pushing this forward. Uh, so we've got you know, our, our teaching and learning um, group that, that we run, where um, that, that went on over lockdown. It's gone on since we've come back to school. It will keep on going on. And, and the, the creative ideas we get from, from sharing best practice and then, and then evolving, and that encourages the students to, right, let's have a go. Mm-hmm. And we're not scared. There's no fear of failure. Let's have a go. Let's try it. Let's, again, let's use the feedback cycles. How can we improve this? And yeah, so really, we're talking about individual lessons, but it's really this whole: what is the the curriculum like for a, for a student? And it's so varied. And I think what this has done is really show teachers, parents, pupils: let's embrace change. Let's you know we, we've got some things that aren't going to change. So I, I don't get carried away with this stuff of you know you, you do a degree, and modern education means half of what you learn in your degree is out of out of date by the time you finish. That that's hyperbole and going too far on that. But yeah, we need to equip our students with critical thinking skills but they do need a base of knowledge as well I think the the tools and the blend we've got here should be shown we're talking a lot about the creative things but we've got loads of um, software that we've been using to really test knowledge and skill of application and then it lets us dive really into okay where are the common mistakes that students are making it it seems to be in the manipulation of this formula or we're not being able to interpret this graph in the right way and we can really nail down that and and see patterns throughout entire year groups where do we need to adjust the curriculum absolutely it's fantastic. It's really exciting to be part of this, really. I mean, it sounds as if, just listening to you, you're, you're very excited about it, and it sounds as if pupils and teachers have really thrown themselves into it. So that's that sounds great. What have some of our parents been saying they really like about the remote provision? I mean, actually, ironically, the, the, probably the, the thing they love, other than just trusting this uh, process to the fact that they could, just, they could more or less get on with their own um, work from home, safe in the knowledge that their kids are getting a, a great education from home, following the normal timetable, basically business as usual, but with some of these enhanced activities that we could do from home. Thanks, Mark. Deb, can we move on to, to you now and talk about your experience uh, over the past 14 months or so? Now, yours is a really practical subject. 
did you have any initial thoughts last March when you were told that you had to switch to remote learning for all of your classes? How I expect there was a bit of trepidation there. How did it feel? Yeah, absolutely. Um, at first, I thought, oh well, this will only last a couple of weeks. You know, I can uh, I can cope yeah, didn't with we that. All, yeah, yeah. Um, but then, as as time progressed, I I just embraced the change. I thought, right, you're not too long in the tooth. Get on with it and just change the way that you've been teaching really I've really really loved the um, moat application from uh, the Google workspace because I love talking and it was just brilliant to be able to give feedback verbally and the the pupils really appreciated that because you know it's a human being I'm a human being and I think they just liked I know this sounds daft but they liked hearing the sound of your voice um, and being able to really chat um, you know and talk things through uh, with them. Deb for the uninitiated just tell us a little bit about what moat is. Well, it's like um, a voice recording. So you just press this little button. It's very, you know, easy for uh, those of us who aren't particularly uh, technical. Um, And you literally record yourself giving feedback to individual pupils. So rather than just handing back um, pieces of paper with something written on, you know, eight out of ten, well done, I was actually able to give specific individualised feedback to particular pupils in, in so much less time than, than I would have done here at work. I, I think you might describe yourself as a self-confessed technophobe, but it sounds as if you managed really well with the, <laughs> you know, all of this new technology that you had to get to grips with. Talk a little bit about how you did it, really, because it, it sounds like it was a, a relatively easy process for yeah. you. Well, it was. I decided that I would still have the structure of uh, my day like it would be an ordinary school day so for example at quarter to nine I checked in with my form um, and just talked to them about the latest uh, news you know the, the the coronavirus but also just checked in with them generally on their well-being they were very very happy to talk um, because of course that's what they missed they missed that human interaction action so the structure of my day I did keep you know the same as my actual timetable which was good because I felt I had a purpose and that that worked really well I'm sure you didn't deliver any lessons in your pyjamas <laughs> oh tell you us you did <laughs> no well the only thing I did um, was <laughs> I did a demonstration and I I, um, I aimed my Chromebook so you could only see my top half. Um, so <laughs> I did do that for one lesson. Right, I'm not sure you want to tell us any more of this story, Deb. But <laughs> this is it's family family broadcasting. This is. I'll just tell you a story now. <laughs> Um, I, I was working with a colleague at the university and we were delivering some training to some teachers in China 
Um, but of course, because of the time difference, it meant that we were up at five o'clock in the morning. And she did confess to me at the end that she did have her pajamas on underneath her very smart top that she was wearing. Um, <laughs> But it was important, and we kept saying to the children, didn't we, how important it was that they stayed in their daily routine. And, and that human interaction that you talked about, you know, being a form tutor and seeing your children twice a day, it's more than just taking a register, isn't it? It's about checking on the welfare, checking on the sort of mood they're in and how they're feeling and how they're getting on. It's, it's really valuable, I think, that the live meets enabled us to do that. Yeah, absolutely, definitely. They actually thanked me, you know, at the end of the form period you know because I'm 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 a big believer in things are sortable and when you're at home and on your own things can spiral out of control you know they start thinking all sorts oh everybody's doing better than me and things so just to talk it through uh, was lovely yeah fantastic you're able to do that um is there anything that your students particularly enjoyed about doing their food and nutrition lessons at home I guess they didn't have the excuse of forgetting their ingredients did they <laughs> No, I think, surprisingly, the vast majority of students did cook. And what they did was they shared their photos with me. And in some cases, little sort of videos to show me how they they actually made food. Um, I think one advantage uh, for the students was that they didn't have to take home on the school bus what they'd created that day uh, because I'm I'm not sure that food ever gets home quite as spick and span as it went out <laughs> of the classroom. Um, I, do, I do think that a lot of food is either eaten um, on the school bus before it gets home or, you know, in a container bashed about. So at least we could you know the the parents could enjoy the food nice and fresh without being eaten or bashed about yeah, and they could i guess they could cook the family meal for the, the household couldn't they that's right are there any particular individual success stories that you can share with us about you know students who really achieved something that, w- that was quite impressive yeah um i've got a few uh, little success stories one of them being uh, some year 12 pupils who um, actually did their three-hour exam at home um, for their coursework. I was able to watch them and make notes. I was able to watch them via the Google Meet facility. So that was absolutely amazing. Um, I could see all the kitchen, all the processes and techniques that those students um, achieved in those three hours. Another really good highlight for me of the Google Workspace are the breakout rooms because the pupils can talk to each other. You allocate them a room, um, a virtual room, and they can chat to each other about whatever they want. So sometimes when I went into these virtual breakout rooms, they were talking about anything other than what they were meant to be talking about. But I thought, you know what, just let them talk to one another. It's so important, you know, that they they chat and, um, and so on. But, you know, many, many cases, we actually said, right, you know, let's let's discuss this. And they did discuss uh, things that had set them. 
I loved um, receiving photos of the pupils' uh, work. And, you know, things like, I said, right, I'm going to challenge you now. Try to do some shoe pastry. And I did them a little step-by-step video. And I couldn't believe how well that worked. Because sometimes um, in school, because we've only got an hour... Um, We can't always uh, complete a method from a recipe um, as well as we should do. But of course, these these pupils were bashing out shoe pastry, you know, profiteroles, chocolate eclairs. They were absolutely uh, fantastic. So I'm a definite lover now of the Google workspace, um, having not been a fan for for a number of years. <laughs> so you're a convert. And it's great that you're able to provide that stretch and challenge to the most able as well, even even remotely. So well done. I think I need to see your video on chew pastry. Give myself a few tips there, Deb. I'll enjoy eating it afterwards as well. Yeah. <laughs> Send us some photos, yeah, Absolutely. Claire. If I can take the photograph quickly before I... Ram them all in my mouth, of course. Deb, you even managed to hold a, a virtual MasterChef competition, which sounds phenomenal. How did that work? So MasterChef is a competition that is done annually and all students from year seven right the way up to year 13 are invited to make um, a dish, which um, is their choice. They can do um, a sweet, they can do a a main, they can do a starter. Um, And of course, before all this shenanigans started, I'd started this competition. And so some year groups had you know, submitted their their products here in school, you know, in front of in front of me. But then when we realised that actually we weren't going to go back to school, I thought, well, we're gonna have to do this at home. So I invited the pupils to submit their uh, recordings of uh, their work or photographs of their work and I did a a Google form for members of staff to vote on which dish or dishes uh, they decided should be the winners or the runners-up so actually it was fantastic I have just um, had the final uh, of the MasterChef competition where Andrew Nutter came in uh, to judge. It was fantastic because a current year seven uh, pupil actually won. So it just shows you that, you know, it's not a competition where the the A-level food uh, pupils necessarily uh, always win. So I'm delighted for him. I can vouch for that. The standard of the food was absolutely fantastic, Deb. So, Deb, what did you learn as a teacher as a result of having to adapt to this uh, remote provision? I think I knew this already, but as a teacher, you've got to be flexible. You can't just think to yourself, oh, well, today this is going to be what I I teach and they're all going to um, learn it and they're all going to understand it and then we'll move on to the next topic. I think the pupils were probably more honest with me about how much they did or or didn't understand um, the work. 
as a teacher, I've really enjoyed putting work on the Google Classroom and being able to differentiate the tasks for people of different abilities. Thanks, Deb. We're back in school now and we're returning to some kind of relative normality. Deb first, um, are you happy to have the children back in school and to be back in school? Oh, yes. You can't be a teacher without caring. I love and care for our pupils so much it's a pity I couldn't give them all a big hug uh, when they when they first arrived because that's what I wanted to do to be honest um, it's lovely to see their faces it keeps you young they, they use terminology these days you know TikTok and all this kind of thing and it, it does it keeps me young I can understand what they're talking about so it's lovely to be back I think it's fair to say that we've all learnt a lot in the last 14 months, haven't we? Um, As Mark said very early on, you know, the world suddenly changed overnight and we've adapted. Um, We've adapted in a way that we perhaps never imagined possible. It's been brilliant that we've been able to keep our students' academic learning on track. It's been fantastic, um, as Deb explained, that we've been able to keep their pastoral care on track uh, through the form period time and the Google Meets and things like that. But I think also, for me, in my... 28th year as a teacher it's probably been some of the most valuable professional development that I've had there throughout that time so thanks very much indeed Deb and Mark for sharing your experiences with us thank you so that was Mark Jones assistant principal academic and Mrs Howarth head of food and nutrition thank you to both of you for coming on to this episode of the podcast now this is just episode two of the school's new podcast channel so the next episode is coming out soon To be sure you don't miss that, now is the time to follow this podcast because that means when the next episode is released, you'll get a small notification just to let you know that it's available. But that's so that you don't miss the next episode. Thank you for listening to this episode. We look forward to seeing you again soon. Bye for now.